you're finding John chapter 21. We'll begin reading verse 1. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, out with the new and in with the old. Out with the new and in with the old. John chapter 21, verse 1. Won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can, and they're able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. When John chapter 21 began to read in verse 1, the Bible says, these words, and after these things, Jesus so showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, that's Galilee, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning did now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up, and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then get, came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Now this, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, you walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoke these things, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper, saying, uh, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Let's pray together. God, we ask your spirit would speak to us, challenge us. God, I pray if there's one here that's never been saved, God, they'll surrender their life to your lordship today. But God, I pray if there's a disciple here this morning, someone who's turned back from being a disciple, God, rather than 
out with the old and in with the new that steer their reality. God, they've turned away from the old, the new, and they've brought in the old, just like Peter did. Father, I pray you'll convict them of where they stand this morning. Help them to see where they are today. No peace, no joy, no spiritual satisfaction, no right relationship with you. And God, I pray they'll turn and experience your reviving touch upon their life today. God, I just ask whatever it is you want to do in someone's heart and life today, it will be done as we yield ourselves and follow you as you call us into your will. Your will be done during this time. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. And I invite you to be seated. Remember that uh, a great verse to remember uh, after, as we're studying Scripture, about after the resurrection of Jesus Christ is Acts chapter 1, verse 3, where the Bible says, to whom he also presented himself, that's Jesus, alive, after his suffering by many infallible proofs and being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus, during those 40 days after he rose from the grave, before he ascended, he continued to work with the disciples to prepare them for ministry when he wasn't going to bodily be in their presence. And we're, we're so blessed to be able to view our Lord's discipling ministry in little snapshots of scriptures. He was preparing the 11 and others for the great commission work that would lie ahead. And so in this closing chapter of John, we're privileged to see our Lord's restoration of Peter um, to ministry. Uh, I want you to notice first this morning uh, an unsurrendered life. An unsurrendered life. Remember that in Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 20, uh, Peter had responded uh, with others that were there with him. In Mark chapter 1, uh, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, uh, the Bible says he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. This is Jesus began his public ministry. And so he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And verse 18 of Mark chapter 1 says, then immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. Luke chapter 5, verse 11 gives even more emphasis. Luke, Luke says, they forsook all. They turned away from everything. They turned from their family. They, they turned from their profession. They turned from all relationships. They responded to the call of Christ upon their life. And they began to follow Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so they responded to that call and they began to walk with Jesus. And so for three and a half years, they did that. Remember, it was Peter in John chapter 13, verses 36 through 37, who says, Look, I don't know what anybody else do, but I'll lay down my life for your sake. This was pre-Calvary. See, whatever challenge, whatever adversity, man, I'm willing to die with you. I'm willing to die for you. In Matthew chapter 26, uh, verses 33 and 35, he, he said those same things again. Uh, listen to how Peter uh, boasted of what he would do. Uh, Jesus was speaking about things that would happen, and Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I'll never be made to stumble. Uh, verse 35, Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the other disciples that were there. He says, I'll lay down my life. Why don't you listen to me? Peter hadn't laid down his life. But I want to remind you that before the Lord, talks cheap without action. God's not looking for just words He's looking for actions that live out that confession and that profession. And so Mark chapter 15, Luke chapter 22, John chapter 18, we see little snapshots of there. Jesus is being examined, 
Peter has drawn near a fire, rather than warming himself close to the Lord, he's warming himself near man's fire. And people began to question, hey, you're one of these disciples, aren't you? Nope. Hey, you are one of his disciples. I am not. You are. You're one of his disciples. And he even threw in a little old fisherman curse language just to make sure nobody would think that he was one of the disciples. And three times Jesus had said he would deny the Lord, and three times he did. He turned away from the Lord. And during those, during those days after Christ had been crucified, what heartbreak there had to be in Peter's life. But remember the message that the angel gave to Mary. She was there at the tomb. She says, go tell the disciples, Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 16 and verse 11, but also tell Peter. Peter really needed to hear that there was an opportunity, uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 7. But Peter needed to hear that there was a new beginning and a new opportunity. Well, Peter came for himself, John chapter 20, verse 4. This is all background. Stay with me. Peter came to the tomb. Uh, remember, John led us know, just in case anyone might misunderstand, that they had had a foot race, uh, but John won the foot race. He wanted everybody to know that he won the foot race to the tomb. But there Peter came, and he looked in. He saw that the tomb was empty. John chapter 20, verse number 18. Peter had heard Mary's report, not only that the tomb was empty, but she had now seen Jesus. She had spoken to him. She had seen his body, and she had touched him. Uh, Luke 24, the Emmaus 2. Uh, Cleopas and his friend who had walked with Jesus seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they came running back that night. They said, hey, we've seen the Lord. Our hearts burned within us. He started at Genesis and went through every prophet and showed every passage of Scripture that was him. Peter was there when, when they had heard that report. And so he saw the Lord, John chapter 20. Verses 19 through 23. He visibly saw him. Eight days later, when Jesus comes to see Thomas, he sees him again. He's heard the Lord's message. The Father has sent me. I'm sending you. All the ministry that we did, it was to prepare you for a life of service to share the gospel, the good news, that though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through me. And so he had been challenged with all of those things. But now instead of fishing for men in Jerusalem, uh, look at our text in verse number 3. Peter turns to the disciples. They're not in Jerusalem. They're by the Sea of Galilee. Just meandering around. We don't know how many days it's been since they last saw Jesus. But Peter says, man, I'm going fishing. You know, I've got to confess. When I was a boy, this was probably my most favorite passage of Scripture. Oh, I just thought, man, that's awesome. But in my ignorance, I really didn't understand that it was one of the saddest passages of Scripture. Because what Peter was saying was this. Well, out with the new and in with the old. Jesus had called Peter from a life of professional fishing to a ministry now of fishing for souls. And it really, the statement is a reflection of the reality of Peter's life. I, I'm going fishing. This is what I want to do. And we don't know all the reasons why. We don't know what doubts there were, what confusion. We don't know everything spiritually that was happening in Peter's life. But we do know this, man. He wasn't following Jesus Christ. And rather than Lord and others, I had become the main focus of his life. Remember Luke chapter 9, verse 
23, that foundational passage for discipleship, Jesus said to them all, and friend, listen, that's for us too. And say within your heart, that's for me. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after me. It's to deny I. Ministry is not about what I want to do. It's not about I or what my plans are, my, my bucket list. Friend, listen, when you come to Jesus Christ and you surrender your life to his lordship, when you get saved, that's the last free will decision that you ever make in your life. After that, it's to be about what Christ wants. And Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Peter, I'm calling you to fish for men. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2 is to be a reality in Peter's life and in ours. We're to be living sacrifices. All of us on the altar. There's not one part of our life that is out of the the constraint of Christ's lordship. Our whole life is to be surrendered to him. And so again, you know, one could say, well, maybe Peter needed the money. Um, Maybe... You know, Jesus hadn't come for several days. Doesn't, none of those things matter, friend. What matters is this, is that Christ had given him a clear command and he wasn't doing it. It was, it was out with the new and I'm taking back up the old. I go fishing. And so it's, it's really a good place for us this morning to, to, to stop and say, you know, we know this about Peter. He, didn't, he had an unsurrendered life. And it's really a good place for us to stop and just ask someone, God, is my life fully surrendered to you? You know, if, if my life were, were an illustration of a house, and it is, there's so many different parts of you. There's so many different parts of your, your life. Is there any room in your house that Jesus Christ doesn't have the keys to? Is there any part of your time, your schedule, your finances, your family, your possessions? Is there any part of what makes up the house of you and your family that Jesus doesn't have the keys to? And friend, if there is, you don't have a a surrendered life. Your life is not wholly surrendered to Christ's lordship. And my friend, listen. You say, well, it's always been that way. Then you need to be saved. When you come to Jesus Christ, friend, you give all of you that you know to give to him. And if you hold back anything, that's not repentance and that's not surrender. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you say, Jesus, I surrender my life to to you, Lord Jesus, you're either giving all of you or you're not giving all of you. You know, we can say things to each other and we really don't know whether we mean it or not. Don't you hear me this morning, friend? God reads hearts and God reads minds. He knows when you confessed him as Lord, whether you really surrendered all of you. But if you did, I ask you this morning to really take inventory. It's it's good to do that. God, do you still have all the keys to every room that's the house that makes up me? There was an unsurrendered life. Secondly, I want you to notice this morning an unseen effect. You know, it's, it's, it's sad when someone turns away from serving the Lord. It's even more sad when it influences somebody else to turn away from the Lord. And Peter had an unseen effect. Look what the Bible says in uh, verse number 3 of John chapter 21. So Simon Peter turned to all the disciples 
who were all supposed to be fishing for men in Jerusalem, sharing the good news. And Peter says, well, I'm going fishing. And so they began to think about that. Well, Peter's going fishing. Now, friend, listen. This wasn't with the Zebco 33 and the Bucket of Minas. This, is, this was professional fishing. This is what they, they didn't do this for fun. They did it because it's how they made a living. They got out in boats. They dropped nets. They had plungers that other boats would use that they would beat on the water that would school and herd the fish into their nets. And then it took work to get the nets up and to mend the nets and to tend the nets. And to, then just the, all, this was a business. All the challenges that go with running a business. So Peter wasn't saying, I'm going to go fishing for a couple of days. He was saying, I'm going back to fishing. And so they heard Peter's confession. And look what the Bible says. We're going to go with you also. So his decision had influence on someone else. And friend, I want to remind you, your life has impact. It has impact on everyone that sits under your umbrella. Whether that's in, within your home, within your neighborhood, your extended family, where you work. Every single person that looks at you and knows you. And, and again, you know, in, in this day that we're living, of, of the, you know, when people actually have titles of influencers, and there are people that don't do anything but live a facade. They put on clothes and go stand somewhere and do something and have little, you know, action photos taken of them and post them to their social media, trying to influence other people toward a product or toward some kind of activity. In social media, you, you influence people. Anyone who sees you and watches you is influenced in some way to the positive or to the negative. And Peter influenced the other ten, not toward Christ, but away from Christ. The choices that you make for yourself influence others. Now listen, the disciples had a choice. You know, they weren't just helplessly drawn away with that. They still had to choose. But listen, Peter's decision made it easier for them to do that. This was Peter who had walked on the water. This was Peter who was so bold. This was Peter who lopped off one of the ears of, of, of the, the guards in the, the garden. This was, I mean, this was Peter who Jesus had, had spoken to and had, who, had, who had challenged. And so, well, if Peter's doing it, must be okay, I'm going to do it. And so Peter's decision to step out of God's will, it helped move 11 others out of the will of God. My friend, you need to be reminded of that. That your choices don't just influence you, they influence everybody. And moms and dads and grandparents, you really need to think about that. Your choices, your decisions, your lived out priorities, they influence children and grandchildren. To the positive or to the negative. It's, it's a good thing to ask, you know, every single day. If someone follows me spiritually, where are they going to end up? Are they going to end up in a more devoted relationship and surrendered relationship to Jesus Christ? Or are they going to end up outside of God's will? Because that's where I'm going. If someone follows me, where, where am I going to lead them? And a lot of times, and I've seen this, friend, over these past years of ministry, and it's so sad to see. A lot of times, grandparents will be so burdened over grandchildren who have no appetite for the things of God, no concern over spiritual matters, as you really begin to get to know them, 
you begin to see a pattern of little things that there are chinks in their spiritual armor which became cracks in their children's spiritual armor and now, friend, are tunnels under the mountain in their grandchildren's armor if they even have armor that they've come to Christ. And so your life has influence. And I want to remind you, say, well, you know, that's my choice and my decision. I want to remind you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse number 6. He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones, that's a baby Christian. Because, listen, Jesus says that's how you come to Christ. You don't come to Christ puffed up like you're really something. If you come that way, you're not coming at all, friend. The only way you come to Christ is broken and in humility. And when someone gets saved, they're a new baby Christian. And Jesus says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Had they sinned? They were in sin. To him it knoweth do good and doeth it not. The book of James says it is sin. It's not just sins of commission, it's sins of omission. They weren't in Jerusalem doing what they were supposed to do. What the devil would have the church to do in these days, friend, when you talk about unrepented sin, is to talk about sins of commission. Well, I mean, I'm not wasting all my family's resources at the casino in Murphy, so I'm not doing that. I don't drink, smoke, dip, or chew, and I never dated girls that do. I, I mean, I'm, I'll do any of those immoral things. You know, try to live a good God-fearing life. It's not just sins of commission, my friend, that will lead you out of fellowship with God. It's sins of omission. Do you read your Bible every day? Is prayer a discipline in your life? Are you living on mission? Are you truly seeking as you live every day to sow the Word of God into the hearts and lives of people? Because that's the mission for the church, and that's the mission for you. Not just sins of commission, but sins of omission. And so Jesus says, whoever, whoever causes one of these little ones to sin, that is, they observe my life, and then they do it. They pattern themselves after me. Listen to what Jesus said. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. What does that mean? To be taken away from my presence, never to be seen again. Because when I get a hold of you, Jesus says, I'm going to deal with you. And so it's a serious thing, friend, to turn people away from serving the Lord. You need to be reminded. The devil doesn't want you to know this. Your life has influence. What you say, what you do, where you go, who you are, your lived out priorities have influence. They have influence. And, you know, if you are, and I just want to say this encouragement, if you are influenced by negative spiritual influence, somebody listening today or somebody that's going to listen to this and rebroadcast. See, my parents really are fence riders. They're not all in. They're faking it. My grandparents fake it. You know, they're just good Baptists is what they are. Or I'm, I live with a lost mate. Or I've got, a, I've got a boss and co-workers that are trying every which way in the world to get me to cheat on the job, to, to do things that aren't right. Friend, we're all going to have to. The devil works through people, Ephesians 6. But listen, you've got a choice to make. You don't have to give in to those things. You can stand for Christ. Remember, 
Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24, his ministry was over. He called all the people to himself. And he says, you got to make a choice. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. He says, but I can tell you right now, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so you're constantly going to be influenced to the negative by all kinds of forces in your life. But at the end of it, the, these ten had to make a choice, and we have to make a choice. But the truth still stands, friend. Your life has influence. The question is this. Is it to the positive or is it to the negative? So we see the, an unseen effect. Number three, I want you to notice now, an undeserved opportunity. An undeserved opportunity. That's grace, friend. It's grace. Did Peter deserve a second chance? Absolutely not. And guess what? Neither did I. Neither did you. But he's going to get one. It's, it's grace. Well, we've got a lot of text to cover. Stay with me. So Jesus sees them. He knows that they've fished all night and they haven't caught anything. And so morning has come. And Jesus said to them, verse 5, Children, have you any food? Now, if you're a fisherman, you know, you know you're like me. It irritates you, you know, when you're fishing. Say, hey, you caught any? Well, I'd have told you if I had when I saw you. But really, it's one of those, if you hadn't caught anything, you really don't want to be asked. But if you have come, like, yes, it's been awesome. Well, they hadn't caught anything. Well, listen, friend, Jesus knew they hadn't caught anything. They needed to think about how futile their attempts had been to start life without Christ. He knew they needed to reflect on really just how things were going outside of God's will. Listen to me. None of those guys in that boat had any joy. None of them had any peace because they were outside of God's will. You hear me this morning. Look at me. If you can have joy and peace living outside of God's will, friend, you've never been saved. When the Holy Spirit of God lives within your heart and you begin to live out things that are contrary to the Word of God and the will of God, whom the Lord loves, He chastens, and you're going to feel the pressure. You're going to feel it. But, I mean, if you are just happy as happy can be, living a life outside the Word of God and the will of God, friend, you've never been saved. Because when you begin to live in rebellion against God, the Holy Spirit's going to tan your hide. He's going to wear you out. He's going to deal with you. And they needed to reflect on that, really just how things were going. Verse number 6, uh, look what the Bible says. And so he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll, you'll find some. And so they obeyed, they cast, and now they weren't able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. They found success fishing where Jesus had told them to. And so they needed to see that it was this man that told them to do something, even though yet they didn't know it was the Lord. But they began to see, look at verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And now Simon Peter heard it was, Peter heard it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment. Now listen, friend, they weren't fishing without any clothes on. He had taken off his outer garments and he had his fishing clothes on. They were girded up. But he put those other clothes back on. And you got to hand it to Peter. He had zeal. He didn't wait till it got to shore, friend. He plunged in the water and started heading toward Jesus. Why? Because that's where there was joy and that's where there was peace. 
He, got, he wanted to get to Jesus just as quick as he could. And so the Bible says in verse number 9, Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Can I just say, friend, don't you know that was the best tasting meal that's ever been cooked on this earth? Friend, think about that. He didn't drive through Long John Silver's and get it. Jesus had cooked fish and bread. It was done perfect. Flaky, probably no calories in it. I mean, it was just, it was wonderful. The bread was just right. There Jesus had, friend, he, had, he made a provision for, for a physical need that they had. They saw all of these things. And then verse number 10, he says, uh, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. And Simon Peter went up and he dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Then Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who were you knowing that it was the Lord? Listen, friend, when you obey the Lord in all things, he'll supply your needs. Not your greeds. I talk to so many different Christians that are just in misery. They don't have peace. Listen, financial strain can debilitate you. And so many people experience financial strain because they're stewarding their finances in a way that's not in line with God's will and God's word. God doesn't promise that he'll meet all our greeds, but he promises he will meet all our needs. And so there he provided a meal for them. They had gone fishing. They were trying to, you know, get some money, go back to the old life. But look in verse number 11. Something also happened. Peter drug a net full of 153 fish up on there. God gave him the strength to do that. Supernatural strength to pull in this whole net by himself on the ground. And notice this, friend, that the, that the net didn't break in verse number 6. When they began to, to pull them together, it had broken before in Luke 5. But now the net didn't break. Three lessons that they had learned. That their sustenance that's only found in Christ, he gave them a meal. There is strength that can only be found in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there is supply for the mission. Things just last. The net didn't break. Whatever you need to accomplish what Jesus has called you to do, friend, it will be there and it will stand all the tests that come against it. And they needed to learn that, that the Lord was for them, not against them. You know, one of the things that we battle with teenagers, you know, in ministry, and always have and always will till the Lord comes, is this. It's a temptation by Satan to see that God's a joy killer, that, that the Word of God is there, you know, to steal all of our, our joy. No, friend, joy can only be found in Christ. When the Bible says thou shalt, God's saying this, help yourself to happiness. When, when the Bible says, thou shalt not, he's saying, don't hurt yourself. Only life and joy-filled life can be found in Jesus Christ. And so in his grace, Jesus gives Peter an opportunity for a fresh, new beginning. Has he failed? You betcha. Has he replaced the new mission with the old mission? He had. Was he living a life of surrender to Christ? Absolutely not. Did he deserve a new beginning? No, but in grace, he gives him one. He gives him one. Now, I wonder this morning, look at me. Is there somebody here, you need a new beginning? You don't have the joy of the Lord. You have no peace. 
you really, if you'll be honest, you've brought back some of the old and you've pushed out the new. There, there, there are compartments in your life that you've changed the locks on. Jesus no longer has the key to those areas and to those rooms. Friend, listen, you need revival. You need a fresh reconsecration to Christ's lordship. And so Jesus begins to engage Peter because this is what it comes down to. It comes down to love. Uh, Verse number 15, so when they had eaten breakfast, look at verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And here are these fish still flopping on the ground. That's, listen, that, you, you, it's, you say, well, this, that's just foolish that Peter would substitute fish for Jesus. That's what had happened. All of these fish represented really what he had exchanged Jesus for. He says, do you, do, you, do you love me more than these or not? Peter had to sit and think about that. He thought about it in Luke chapter 5, and the Bible says he forsook all. And he followed after Jesus Christ. But now he needs revival. And he says, do you love me more than these? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he says, then feed my lambs. His plan for Peter was to preach on the day of Pentecost, to help plant the church in Jerusalem, to to, to share the gospel, to disciple people, and then to be a part of seeing God plant the church there in Jerusalem. And then Acts 1-8, to begin to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. But it started with Pentecost. He says, then then feed my lambs. And so he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know they'll love you. And he says, then tend my sheep. That is, guide them in discipleship. Help help keep them on the straight and narrow, the old S and N. Straight and narrow. Following Jesus Christ, Luke 9, 23, he says, Lord, you know that I, that I love you. Verse 17, so he said to him a third time, listen, he denied him three times, Jesus questioned him three times. And don't you know it didn't take him back. Three different times. Do you really love him? Because when people ask him, aren't you one of his disciples? What they were asking is this, do you love Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? He said, I, I don't know him. I don't know him. You you do love Jesus. You're one of his followers, learners and followers of him. I was was there when when he fed the 5,000. You're one of the guys that passed the basket. You do love Jesus. I don't love him. I don't love him. And then they all ask, no, you are. You do love Jesus. No, I don't. I don't love him. And then the rooster crowed. Peter needed to go back and he really needed to reflect on what had happened. And Peter needed to make a decision. If he was going to experience God's reviving touch on his life, listen, he had to get down to business, friend, and really get to where he was spiritually. He had denied that he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, you don't have to do it verbally. You can do it with your actions. You know, a spouse doesn't have to tell their other spouse they don't love them. They just have to go be unfaithful to them. Don't ever have to say, I don't love you. Just go be unfaithful. Friend, you don't have to say with your mouth, I don't love the, G- love the Lord Jesus Christ, but be unfaithful to him. And that's what it says to Jesus. I love this more than I love you.
Again, it doesn't have to be an action. It can be a sin of omission. I love not having this in my life. For whatever reason the devil's given you, more than being obedient to what you've called me to do, and so I'm going to hold on to it rather than do what you've called me to do. That's a sin of omission. Whether we commit, whether we omit, what we say is this, I love this, these, more than I love Jesus Christ. And so a third time he asked him, do you, do you, do you really love me? And Peter was starting to get frustrated. He says, then feed my sheep. He says, Lord, you know that I, I love you. Verse 15, verse 16, verse 17, feed, tend, feed. He needed to reflect on that. Christ had a will and a plan for Peter's life, verse 18. He had a will and a plan. But don't miss this. Hear me this morning. The only way Peter could enjoy it and experience it was through a life of surrender. He had to wholly bring his life fresh and anew under the Lord Jesus Christ's lordship and kingship. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. It begins with his rule over my life. And then I begin to be a part of seeking the kingdom, seeing the kingdom expanded. His Christ lives his life through me. And so Peter needed to understand that. And I want to remind you this morning, friend, no matter what kind of background you've come from, a lot of people do, they come from some really just broken, dysfunctional backgrounds that the Satan can try to, try to work through. And you've, just, you've got some hiccups and hang-ups and things that, cause you to doubt that God can ever do anything for you, don't you hear me this morning. You are somebody special in Jesus Christ. How do you know that? Because Christ died for you. Your soul is of worth. You have a, you have a part in the great commission wheel. There, there's, a, there's a place for you to serve within the life of a local church, and there are things that God wants to do in you and through you, in individuals' lives as you live on mission for Him every day, that I can't accomplish because He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you. But it, be it begins with a life of surrender. Peter had to get back to Luke 9, 23. He had to make a decision to take up his cross and to do it daily, to die to self and to follow Jesus Christ. And he embraced that. But notice how quick the turn. Fourth, I want you to notice now an unfocused mind. Very quickly, look at verse 20. Then Peter turning around. Now Jesus said in verse number 19, follow me. That was, that was the call of grace. There's an opportunity for a fresh new beginning. You follow me, Peter. And so Peter turning around, he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and, and the one who said, Lord, who's the one who betrays you? And Peter seeing him, now listen, he's supposed to be following Jesus. But he looks around and sees John standing there, and he says, uh, well, Lord, what about this man? What's your plan for his life? And the Bible doesn't say that Jesus shook his head, but we kind of wonder, you know, if he, didn't, or if he didn't sigh. He didn't take a breath, but look what it says. He says, if I will that he remains till I come. He says, listen, if he lives... Until the rapture, what's that of your business? Now, I want to pause and say, listen, it's not wrong to be concerned for another person's spiritual walk, especially when it affects the church, your family, you. If it affected in a negative way, that's, that's not wrong. The problem Peter had was this. He had an unfocused mind. God, Christ had just called him to start following him, and he's already got his eyes on John. 
He's supposed to be following Jesus. And so he again says to him, you follow me. You follow me. Peter needed to focus on what Jesus was calling him to do. Listen to me this morning. We're about to go to the invitation. What God calls you to do, you have to stay focused on. Because there's an enemy that wants to distract you. He wants to get you busy. He wants you to be doing all different kinds of things and involved with so many things that have no eternal significance whatsoever. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 to young Timothy, No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he might please him who hath called him to be a soldier. In, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul writing to the church at, at Philippi, in verse number 12, uh, he began to say, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, he says, but I press on, that I may lay hold for that of which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, that is, to have arrived. But one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What was Paul saying? I stay focused on what Jesus has called me to do. He said, I keep my mind focused. I keep my mind focused. Well, friends, as we go to invitation this morning, I want to ask you this. Would you be honest before God? I wonder if there's somebody here this morning, either side, front, back, like Peter, you've turned back. You've turned back spiritually. Out with the new and in with the old. You've gone back to fishing. Whatever that represents for you. Whatever that is. I'll ask you a question if that's you this morning. Do you really have the peace of God that passes all understanding? Do you really have joy unspeakable in Jesus Christ? Well, I know the answer and you know the answer. It's no. You don't. Because you can only have that in a surrendered life with Christ. I, I, I invite you this morning, my friend, embrace a new beginning in Jesus Christ. Embrace that. Find it today. Just that fresh new beginning. Turn from whatever it is you've turned back to. Confess that to the Lord. Be honest. He knows about it. He's challenging you about it right now. Confess it. And then forsake it. And then embrace his grace, and a new opportunity to begin serving the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now, their heads bowed and eyes closed. Two verses we didn't read this morning I want to share with you. The book of John chapter 20 says this. Won't you listen? He says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. My friend, you're here this morning. Has there ever really been a moment in your life where you turned from sin and believing, that is, you, you trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life, you turned from sin and believed on Jesus, that he died, he rose again, and you trusted him to be Lord of your life. Has there ever really been a moment that you did that? If there hasn't, why not do it right now? He loves you. He died for you. He wants to save you. Just like he gave Peter a second chance, 
He wants to give you a new beginning that can only be found in him. But you have to choose to turn and trust him to be Lord of your life today. Tell him so if you do, where you sit silently. The Bible says, whoever calls on him will be saved. Call on him now. Pray like this. God, forgive me of sin. I turn from it. All the sin that's in my life. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And I surrender my life to him. I'm given the keys to every room in my house. Jesus, be Lord over all my life. That's my confession today. If you prayed that minute, in a moment, we're going to stand at our feet. Won't you make your way to the front so I can encourage you? I'm going to stand right, right down here in the center. You just make your way forward and say, I've trusted Christ today. What, what do I do next? I'm going to share with you. The Bible answers that question. I'm going to tell you what you do next. Do you stand in need of revival? Oh, friend, don't leave the way you came. Experience a new beginning like Peter did and set your mind and heart on following Jesus Christ until the day that you step into his presence. Lord, you give the invitation. Speak to your people. Challenge us now. I pray we'll respond as the Holy Spirit calls us. It's in Christ's name we pray. And amen. Let's reverently stand to our feet.